Previously on Funny Science Fiction. <laughs> it's playtime! Kathleen's mother, you wanna play? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Renee Jacobs, and I did the voice of April O'Neil on the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I'm on Funny Science Fiction Podcast. <laughs> Welcome. This is the podcast that taught Commander Riker from Star Trek Next Generation how to sit in the chair. All right, so our guest today is the original voice of April O'Neil, and of course, the original Ninja Turtles, the TNNP that I grew up with today, kids. So we are so excited to have the one, the only Renee Jacobs with us here on the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you, too. When we talk to our guests, it's not uncommon for us to ask some routinely silly questions so here goes the first one did you guys ever have a pizza party with the cast and crew of teenage mutant ninja turtles you know kind of set the mood for upcoming shows and if so did any of these discussions or parties ever involve character voices (laughs) well they did bring in lunch for us once in a while and i'm sure that one or two of them was pizza Um, But we did not have a Ninja Turtle-style pizza party. Um, And we all did our voices all the time, anywhere we could, and in and out of the studio. So, um, yeah, we did a lot of ad-libbing. We did a lot of uh, rehearsing and uh, definitely in character. Okay, because in my mind, I'm just sitting there imagining, you know, you guys all sitting around a table talking in in normal voice and, and everything. And then all of a sudden... Boom, there it goes. There's like the full-on TMNT discussion. For whatever reason, that's what I pictured. So, Well, there were, there, I assure you there were times like that. They were probably just, you know, a few minutes here and there. Um, the guys did a lot of ad-libbing, and um, uh, most of it happened in the studio. Um, but sometimes outside of the studio, and, they, and then they'd use those in the scripts. They'd sneak them in. Excellent. Okay. I like that. So we've found that the majority of the voice actor, voice over actors that we've talked to actually have a background in musical theater, which, according to the Internet, is also true for you. So what led you from being on stage in front of an audience to being the voice behind one of my husband's first crushes? Oh, that's so great. Tell my loving to me. Um, Oh, That's one of the great. That's one of the best questions I've ever been asked. Thank you. Um, So when I was um, six years old, um, my parents took me to the theater and we saw a musical called The Most Happy Fella. And at at six years old, after the show, I asked my mom to take me up on the stage and she did. And I looked out at the empty audience at that point and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And it's exactly, I mean, that's always been my passion from that day on. And um, I was in musical theater and I'm a trained opera singer. And, um, but when I was, um, when we moved to California, I became part of a children's theater troupe. And we put on um, four plays a year. We did everything from uh, Winnie the Pooh and different kinds of plays that were out there. And in each of those shows, I did different voices. And then in, um, in high school, um, there was an art teacher who did all these 
fabulous puppets, kind of like Muppet type puppets. And he did those for Knott's Berry Farm, which is a theme park out here. There was a, a place called the Gypsy Camp and they had these wagons and each of the wagons was a different um, puppet uh, theater uh, show. And I did all the voices for those. So um, I know this is a long way to get here, but um, so I went to college and I studied, like I said, I studied opera and I worked in theater. I worked all over the, all over the world singing. And um, when I came back to Los Angeles, my agent said, um, by the way, um, we have a voiceover department. And if you do voices, uh, let us know. I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. So I made a reel, and um, at that point, um, I started working right away. And so um, I got married, I had kids, and so doing theater became more cumbersome, more difficult, and um, just kind of transitioned into mainly voiceover at that point. Um, so that's kind of the genesis of um, how I went from musical uh, musical theater and music to voiceover. And you're right. Rob Paulson has a fabulous voice and he was in a band and Townsend Coleman and, and Cam, Cam Clark is part of a very famous family called the King family. Um, they were on television uh, and had their own show. It was a huge family and uh, Cam was in the show and they did musical. So I think you have to have a musical range, a musical ability with your vocal cords in order to have a broad range um, to create voices. Some people will say, um, oh, I have this voice. And it's their voice, right? That's how they talk. And everybody says that I should do voiceover. And they say, well, do you have any other voices? No, but they love my voice. I'm like, well, I can do that voice too. And I can do a lot of others. So it's better to have a, a deck of, you know, I call it like a, a, a deck of playing cards of voices to, to use to be able to create other voices and not just one fabulous voice. Um, it's, it's not so easy to have just one voice. And I, I, we have heard with the other, um, with other voice actors that having that, that musical ear is what allows you to be able to match other voices and change your voice like that. So that is definitely a thing. Yes, it definitely is. I think that's a great answer too. Uh, you know, uh, not long. It, it wasn't a, a long-winded answer. It was the perfect answer uh, because I think that you know, and, and frankly, we like long answers. Long answers are great answers. Um, so no, but it, it kind of gives us the whole scope of how you got from point A to point B, and 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 why you did what you did, and. and and I think that that for so many people who aren't familiar with voice actors and, and what voiceover artists do, I think they just assume that they, like you said, I've got this great voice and I walk into the booth and everybody's going to love me and that's what I'm going to do. But no, there's there's so much more attached to it. And I think that's a great thing to be able to show. There is. And, you know, I, I'm not one for popping anybody's dream, let me tell you. Um, and I want to be encouraging, but it's, it's not an easy world out there. And, um, you know, if you want to do voiceover for fun, there's so many outlets now. You can build your own studio, create your own voices, put together your own, you know, animation, all of that. And that's wonderful. But you really um, have to be multifaceted. You really should. So we know you do a lot of work with the American Friends of Hebrew University. And 
so how did you get involved and why is it so important to you? This is the kindest question. You guys are great. Um, so um, my father was a, a Holocaust survivor. He lost his entire family. He was Hungarian and um, survived Auschwitz and was liberated from Dachau by the American army. And when he came to the United States, um, learned English over the summer, graduated from high school, college, dental school, orthodontic school, became a very big success. And he never asked uh, for a handout, and he never expected the world to owe him a living. He always gave back, and he gave back in many ways. And one of the ways was supporting the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. It's a major university in Israel where Jews, Christians, Muslims, people from countries all over the world come together and study and learn and learn how to get along with each other. And so um, I was always exposed to the university. We always felt that our family was at the Hebrew University because we don't have very much family. And um, when my father became very ill, my husband and I said we would take, take up the, the mantle and continue in his stead. And so um, for the last uh, 20 years, we've done just that, and we've raised millions and millions of dollars for scholarships for students, and these are students from every religion and every background. Um, and, you know, there's just no better way to, um, to give someone an opportunity and change the world than give them education. And then through education, people learn how to get along and better understand each other. So that's why I'm very passionate about it. And, and that's kind of how we became involved with it. And I'm so proud that um, to date we've raised um, $12 million in scholarships. And I've got a big event coming up September 11th. Um, and we will raise a heck of a lot more at that event. And, um, you know, you've got to do good in this world. You know, that's your legacy. That's your, that's, that's why we're here. And what better way to honor your dad and to honor what he went through to, to give so much more. That's, it's going to make me cry. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, we all stand on the shoulders of so many people. We get our DNA checked, right? And you find out, oh, you're Italian and you're, you're, you're Moldavian and you're, you're uh, French. And you, you really have to think back, you know, who were these people? What did they do? How did they enable you to get where you are? And you stand on these shoulders and you have a responsibility as well to make sure the next generations survive and, and, and be good citizens of the world. That's what Turtles is about, you know? It's about loyalty and friendship and, and honor. Turtles fight with honor, you know? I mean, that means something. Um, brotherhood, uh, friendship. Um, I think that's why Turtles lasts throughout all of these years, is it really speaks to um, the kinder side of humanity and the way the world should be. Um, there are forces out there that are evil. Okay. But, you know, we can overcome those if we work together. And have a little humor about it and um, not be so upset and insulted by words and 
thinking that someone has texted you something when they didn't mean it that way. Um, uh, I, I, we are all shocked by how Ninja Turtles has affected the world and so proud. No one had a clue what we were involved with until years later when we started doing Comic Cons and fans would come up to us, you know, shaking, crying. Um, you know, it's like just people when we love you as much as you love us. And um, the stories we hear about how Ninja Turtles um, got people through very, very difficult situations, bullying and abuse and being different. You know, Rob Paulson's written a fabulous book, okay? It's called Voice Lessons. And, you know, I'm a friend of Rob's, and I always look at him like, oh, my God, he's so confident. He's so talented. He's never intimidated. He's never had a bad day in his life. And you read the book, and you realize we are all human, and we are all fallible, and we are all um, needing each other. And you don't know what someone else's shoes are like to walk in. So um, it's just we all need to be give each other a little more slack, you know, kindness. So I don't know Absolutely. where that question went. <laughs> no, no, I – no, no, you did fine. You know, it's amazing how much nicer this world would be with just a little bit more love, a little bit more kindness, a little more patience and understanding with everybody. So it's awesome that you're able to do that with the university. Now, and a little more pizza. Pizza never hurt anything. <laughs> pizza has never hurt anything. So I understand, too, Renee, that for uh, some time uh, you lived in Lansing, Michigan uh, for a while. And uh, now I was born in Lansing, Michigan. And not that this has any bearing on anything. I just want to put it out there. Lansing General Hospital, 1976. How are you doing? All right. But Al, although you moved out to California, uh, from what I understand, before your teenage years, do you still have some favorite memories of the Mitten State? And are you still smitten with the Mitten, as some people like to say? Okay. So um, that's so funny. Well, go Spartans. Um, you know, we left when I was about nine years old. Um, my best friend still lives in Michigan. Um, I recently did a Comic-Con in Lansing and went back and, you know, drove around my old house and Michigan State University. I used to go to Michigan State um, every weekend. My mother would drop me off. In fact, okay, in fact... That's really how I got my voiceover start. When I was um, about seven years old, my mom enrolled me in a, a class at Michigan State University for children. And there was a woman who did a show. It was uh, called The Land of Play, I believe. And it was kind of like a romper room or a PBS. It was a Michigan State University TV station. And she did puppetry. And so she gave this class, showed us how to make puppets out of our favorite stuffed animals. And she told my mom, you know, Renee's really talented and I'd like her to come with me. I visit schools and um, I teach children how to do this. And I'd like her to be part of the part of the, the class. So I did that. And then she invited me to be on the show and I did voices for that show. 
um, so really that truly is how I got my beginnings in, in voiceover. I, I just called it puppetry, but it was, it was voices. And, um, and the other thing that happened was, um, my father won a huge set of records, um, at a bowling tournament. And in those records were all the Disney classic albums that people may be collecting now because albums are back in and they had a you'd open them up and they'd have a book with all the pages of the storyline be it cinderella or you know peter and the wolf or um uh just every every disney show animated show was on. so i would line up my stuffed animals on a, on a couch down in the basement and i would do all the voices so that's how my mom discovered that I was doing voices and got me into that class. She thought I had friends over. <laughs> so Michigan's a great state to be from. I always say Michigan's a great place to start. I'm very happy to be in California. And, um, but wow, that's great that you, so are you still in Lansing? No, actually, I live on the, the west side of the state now, uh, just about 45 minutes northwest of Grand Rapids, close to Lake Michigan. Oh yeah, my my mother was born in Muskegon. Oh, that's about thirty minutes down the road from me. So I've been to Grand Rapids. Used to be a restaurant called Bill Knapp's, and they still had there. Best? Fr no way! You're joking. No, not joking. Oh, my God, they didn't have it in East Lansing, or I would have been the best fried chicken ever. I remember. Yeah, it was, it's pretty popular. Oh my God! See, and I was I was born and raised in Hastings, so forty five minutes from Lansing. So. A bunch of Michiganders here. We are. We are all Michiganders. That's so great! I'm excited. I didn't know. Still live. I mean, all three of us still live in Michigan. I don't live in Hastings anymore. I actually live north of Saginaw now. But I know Saginaw. Yeah, I know Saginaw. Yeah, I'm actually I'm in the Standish area, so I am in the middle of flat cornfields which is a lot different than the Southwest part of the state, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah. I had the funniest experience. So I went to this fabulous little Comic-Con in East Lansing put on by Adam Winters, uh, sweetest guy. It was a lovely um, experience. I had so many wonderful fans come. It was really fun. So I get off the plane and I'm like smelling. I'm like, oh my God, it smells like grass and not the kind you, you know, um, grass the green stuff on the, the yes the, the, the medical things yes understood of course <laughs> no not the medical things grass oh the actual grass happy. okay <laughs> i knew that of course that's what we were talking about why would it be anything else on a family-friendly science fiction show because the biggest manufacturer of that area is like 20 minutes from my house oh okay well <laughs> Just don't remember Lansing smelling like fresh mowed grass when I was a kid. <laughs> and it is one of those things that when you you get to the green part of the state and you're like, oh, trees and oxygen. It's a beautiful state. Oh, yeah. And then the sneezing hits you. Totally. So April had started out as a comic book character and then was given life as an animated character. Her job was also changed in the process. She had been a computer programmer, but then was a news reporter on the show. So she went under some, underwent some change in development, even in pre-production. 
So how much of your delivery and the personality of April came from source material and how much of it was you? None of it was from source material because we didn't have it. Uh, you know, okay, I'm going to really date myself. No internet, no cell phones, no way to find out about this stuff unless you were into comic books. And uh, the first time I saw the comic book was when Sue Rosen, who's the director, showed it to us um, before we auditioned. So there was no source material. Um, and they didn't want to let too much out of the bag when, they, uh, when we were auditioning. I had a line sketch in black and white of what April looked like. I knew she was a news reporter. Um, and I basically, she was the first character that ever was kind of me. Um, I'm kind of tough. I'm four foot ten, you know, I'm not that tall, but I'm, I've lived all over the world. And, um, you know, I, I don't let, I'm not a damsel in distress. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tough. So I modeled her after me and, um, and some of, a couple of the women reporters that were on local television, you know, on the local news. And it wasn't until much later that we really became familiar with the dark side of Ninja Turtles and the original book. And, um, you know, they always wanted us to go darker with the So if, if you notice, if you're a real fan, you notice that at the beginning of each um, season, the episodes are a little darker. There's not as much laughing. There's not as much, you know, talking back and forth and wisecracking. But then after a couple of the episodes were in the can, it started going back to the way the guys are, which I think is, you know, I think it's what gave it the life and the joy and the multi-generational levels because kids will understand it one way and adults will understand it another because the guys were so clever. You know, they bring in uh, references to all these famous people and, and the old um, uh, comic actors, you know, the Laurel and Hardy, the Three Stooges, the Marx Brothers, they emulated all of that. And so as you get older and you watch it, you go, oh, that's a reference to A Night at the Opera or um, any number of things. And so um, uh, that darkness of the comic book really wasn't our thing. Um, and we really we fought against it. Um, it. It was not our, the guys didn't want to do that. We didn't, we didn't really want to do that. So we all have those moments in life where if someone was filming this, it would go on to our gag reel. So what would be on the gag reel of your life? The gag reel? Okay. Hmm. The gag reel of my life is a very simple joke. You know how to make God laugh? Make a plan. I'm a planner. So... Every time you make a plan, it usually goes in the, a different direction than you thought it was going to go in. So I think that could be kind of, you know, if you, I really wanted to turn right, but I ended up turning left instead. And then this door opened and, you know, they say luck is preparation meeting opportunity. And so um, I'm not sure if I quite understand your question, um, but 
you know. I, I guess I was more so looking for, God. right. I guess I was more so looking for a funny uh, situation, like maybe backstage or something that, like with some of the crew. The funniest thing, uh, and there were so many things, honestly, and it was so long ago. But um, to me, the funniest thing was interacting with James Avery. So James was giant. I don't know how tall James was, but I'm four foot ten. I don't know. He looked like six ten to me. And he was almost as wide as he was tall. Big guy. And a laugh. And, you know, he could be intimidating until you got to know him. And James never wore shoes. Never wore shoes. This guy, you know, you'd think uh, Uncle Phil would, you know, he probably had Gucci shoes on the show, but he never wore shoes in real life. And I would come into the studio and James would look at me and he would open his wide arms, wrap his arms around me and pick me up and just laugh. And my little feet would be going like this in the air. And um, that was kind of a running joke between the two of us. Because we, I was the littlest, and he was the biggest. Um, so um, yeah, but mainly the humor, the joke, the guys were and still are so quick-witted and so funny. April O'Neil was kind of the straight person to their their humor, and so the funny was the guys. They are they are brilliant, and I think there might be some outtakes out there somewhere and if so they're they'd be great to get your hands on because these guys are hysterical yeah it sounds like a good time uh you know I, as soon as you said james avery i'm like wait a minute that's dr phil or not dr phil <clears throat> uncle phil anyway uh i had doctor uh, don't ask it's been a day uh but so i was thinking about teenage mutant ninja turtles of course because we're you know our conversation here but April is not the only character that you've gotten to play in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe. Now, a few years back, you were brought back to be Mrs. O'Neill, April O'Neill's mother. So what did it mean to you to be brought back in the series to voice April's mother? It was great. Of course, I had hoped that April's mother had been a real character and that I would have been brought back many times. But unfortunately, she was not. She was a butt and they. They booted her bot right off the show. <laughs> but it was great. Um, the Nickelodeon studios are beautiful. I got to work with Andrea Romano, who's one of the premier voiceover directors. Um, I got to go back a number of times because they did it in a different way than we did it. Um, uh, we were, I just recorded by myself, which was um, that's what's being done now, where before we all sat together, um, kind of like an old radio show, and did it together, which enabled the characters to develop and get that banter. Um, they probably would have been uh, able to make us be uh, more dark and sinister, and like the comic book had they brought us into individually. Um, but that's not Thank God that's not what happened. But it was wonderful. Um, how lucky, how lucky am I, you know, and and, and continue to uh, represent April O'Neil um, in Comic-Cons and on podcasts and to be able to talk to people who identify with the character. Um, 
I, I'm the luckiest person in the world. I really am. That's cool. Well, you know, we, we had opportunity just a little while ago to talk with Larry Kenny, who was the voice of Lionel from Thundercats. And he was brought back later to also play a couple of other characters in the, the more recent uh, incantations of, of that show. And he expressed similar thoughts to you about the, the immense privilege he felt for being included in these more modern day uh, takes on the show. Um, but as, as a side thought to, to all of that, did you notice any differences between the way that, you know, your character was portrayed then and how they're doing April now? And did you go, Oh, that'd have been cool. I wish I could have done that. Or do you think, or or was there anything ever anything like that? Well, April in that iteration was a teenager. Um, So um, it had nothing to do with my April. Um, So no, no, I haven't, I haven't felt that way. Um, I'm very, I'm very biased about my, my April and, um, uh, Fair enough. I'm, I'm very happy for those who've had the opportunity to play her in other iterations, but I'm always going to be the first. Yeah. <laughs> they will never take that away from you. That is for sure. You can't take that away from me. There's something to be said about being the original April. Nobody else gets to be the original. So as you've already mentioned, the the writers wanted to take the series in a darker, more serious direction, but that the guys kept making it lighter and funnier. So you had already mentioned some of the comedic influences that the guys had, but was there anything else that they did that helped maintain that sort of humor and frivolity during your recording sessions? Or was it just that they're, they're just general goofballs? The general goofballs. Um, the entire cast are friends. Um, we generally love each other. We generally, gen- genuinely relate to each other. Um, you know, I think everyone out there can relate to different aspects of the turtles. Um, again, another reason why they're so iconic. Um, you've got different kinds of personalities with different kinds of interests. And, um, these these guys really personified the the turtles and and they are always trying to crack everybody up so uh when we were rehearsing they did it when we were on break they did it when we were recording they did it so yeah it's that, that's who they are so we have a large Facebook group with over 132,000 members at the moment, and these guys are meme junkies. And one of the funniest sources of entertainment is the crossover between two memes, like the person from this story or universe into that story or universe. So if you were like a holiday writer for a movie or show, what character would you take from story A and drop him or her into story B? And what are your results? Okay, guys, I have to confess something. I don't get memes. I don't get them. So. Like I... your phone is incapable of receiving them or. My brain isn't. I don't get memes. My kids think I'm hysterical because they'll show me something. I go, I don't get it. 
so, okay. So if I had two characters that I could mash together, um, um, would be um, April O'Neil and Snow White. How's that? Because April O'Neil um, is always wishing, I'm wishing for a real life boyfriend and not, and not <laughs> a turtle, a turtle. So I guess that would be it. It's perfect. <laughs> and she said she didn't get memes. <laughs> okay. I guess I got one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you nailed it. Well, Renee, thank you so much for being on the show today. Where can people go to find out more about your work and what you're doing now? Well, they can get me on Instagram, which is Renee, R-E-N-A-E underscore L underscore Jacobs, J-A-C-O-B-S. Um, or they can go to my Facebook page, which is Renee Jacobs. Um, very excited. Got some great stuff coming up. Um, we've got a uh, fabulous signing coming up on July 31st with the whole cast, um, with the guys and me, on Streamly.com. And um, we've got some Comic-Cons coming up. We're going to Orlando for Fanboy. Um, we're going to be in Las Vegas. We're going to be, unless they cancel them, of course. But that's the plan. We've got a number of them, and we're posting. Everybody's posting about it. And um, there's going to be some exclusive um, items that are being signed. So if anybody's a true collector and wants something that very few people will have, they should go look the, the look look on our uh, our Instagram and Facebook pages and see what's up there. And that's it. We will definitely make sure that we have links to your your social media specifically in the episode description so that uh, all of our beautiful viewers and listeners can find you, find out what you're doing, and figure out where they can meet you in person. All right, guys. We also want to remind you, everyone, that uh, subscribing is the single most important thing that you can do to ensure to get more amazing guests like Renee Jacobs today and funny moments for you guys to listen to and of course voluntary memes for you to look at that she's not going to understand but that's beside the point um so please subscribe it's going to help far more than you're ever going to know and be sure to go check out renee's social social media as well and so you guys can figure out uh where to find her and get some really cool autographed uh, items because she's doing a ton of signing events um and if you're a tmnt fan that should be a must now, if you're not happy with the content of our videos, all you have to do is submit in single form to Master Splinter. Master Splinter is so efficient in his training of young ninjas and apparently handling complaint departments that he only needs one copy of your complaint. That one copy uh, will allow him to send his best four ninjas to handle the cause for that complaint. Of course, one of the three of us. Now, if these pizza-loving heroes in a half shell can handle the Foot Clan and Shredder, we can be sure that our podcasting rears don't stand a chance. Thanks again, Renee. You're so welcome. You guys are wonderful. I appreciate you asking me to come on, and I'm so proud of the work that you're doing for charity and helping people, and um, appreciate your your fabulous questions. They're really some of the best questions I've been asked. Mm. Some of 
questions. I had no idea what you were talking about. But uh, that's just Nick for you. That's just half that's the fun. That's a, and I hope that um, I hope sometime to come to Motor City Comic Con and meet you guys. You for know? sure. That'll, you know, that'll be wonderful. Viewers request that they want Renee Jacobs, April O'Neill to come then the promoters will um, invite us, invite me, invite the guys, and then we can come out and meet you guys. That'd be great. I We'd love that. Email Motor City Comic Con tonight. Okay, deal. Awesome. All right, very good. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us today for Funny Science Fiction. Thanks for watching, everyone. Bye. Thank you, bye. Our show is brought to you by our charity sponsor, the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund, which supports the Wish Upon a Teen Foundation that helps out sick kids when they need it most. And just imagine the comfort you'll give Red Shirt Crewman number 17. He'll know that when he puts on the red shirt only to be graded by the shredder, he'll know that he didn't leave his family destitute and without hope because the Red Shirt Widows and Orphans Fund has his back and what's left of his pizza. And speaking of sponsors and show partners, let's check out this short video from our good friends over at Level Up Lightsaber. Information about Level Up Lightsabers and their online training sessions can be found in the episode description below. On behalf of the rest of the hosts of Funny Science Fiction, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on one of our future episodes, please contact us by means of our Facebook group, Funny Science Fiction. You can find us on Twitter or Instagram using the handle at Funny Sci-Fi, or you can go to DraytonAllen.com and click the Contact Me link at the bottom of the page. Thanks again. Hope you enjoyed the episode.